As the weather warms in Washington, so does the rhetoric over how best to fund transportation infrastructure. Every few days, another group weighs in with its own report about the problems of so-called crumbling roads and bridges. Most recently, the conservative group Americans for Prosperity launched its campaign against higher gas taxes with a letter to President Trump and digital ads in key congressional districts around the nation. The group also released a report claiming the extra cost to taxpayers in each state if a higher gas tax were imposed on the motoring public. AFP wants to focus on private investment, more state control, fewer regulations, and elimination of costly labor restrictions it says would free up the funds needed for key projects. Meantime, the Libertarian Reason Foundation wants to dump gas taxes in favor of mileage-based user fees, while America's truckers have a television spot focused on the life moments missed when people are left sitting in traffic. U.S. Transportation Secretary Elaine Chao was not in her car last Wednesday morning, but she was seated before members of the House Appropriations Subcommittee on Transportation explaining the President's infrastructure budget proposal. This is Hard Facts. I'm Robert Johnson. While Secretary Chow was in the House hearing, members of the Portland Cement Association and the North American Concrete Alliance were going door-to-door, meeting with members of Congress and their staff, urging action on a spending solution. More than 150 executives made the trip to the Capitol. We caught up with a few of them to talk about the results of their visits. We start with Tom Beck, the chairman of the Portland Cement Association's Board of Directors, and president of the Continental Cement Company based in Chesterfield, Missouri. We're in for the third annual uh, cement and concrete fly-in. Uh, a lot of uh, legislative visits. Uh, met with the executive branch this morning as well. Uh, so we're here to talk about some of the key issues uh, to our industry. What are some of those messages that you're leaving with people as you walk around the Hill and the administration? Well, first and foremost, we're talking about infrastructure, finding a permanent fix for the Highway Trust Fund. Roads and bridges uh, are crumbling. We see statistics uh, all the time. ASCE has rated our road system uh, a D or a D plus. ARTBA had statistics that show how many bridges are structurally substandard, uh, near failure, and we just need to rebuild America. And we seem to find common interest in doing so but we can't find leadership to take the initiative to get the ball rolling, and we can't seem to find consensus on, on how to pay for it. Well, I wanted to ask you about that. Uh, you can have the meetings, but how are they going? What, what's the feedback you're getting? How are you feeling about them? 
Well, it, it's, it's mixed. Uh, I would say, quite honestly, most of today's activities I would put more in the frustrating column than uh, optimistic column, just uh, people kind of explaining uh, what they perceive to be political realities, that for one reason or another, they are skeptical that we're going to see any, anything advancing uh, in this Congress. Is there anything you can say when you get that message, that feedback, to move the needle at all, or at that point do you just get up and move on to the next meeting? No, we, we share statistics, a couple of ones that I mentioned to you. Some of us uh, have been coming here a long, long time. And for a number of years, we've heard the same rhetoric, and, and it does. It gets frustrating, and, and we have shared that, that you know, we're, we're expecting this administration and some of our representatives and, and senators to, to step up and take a leadership role. Uh, this just has to happen, and it should be a bipartisan issue. I suppose at some point it will happen. Well, it has to happen. Sooner or later, it, it is inevitable. We hope it doesn't get kick-started by some catastrophe or another bridge failure like we saw many years ago in Minnesota. Uh, all of those things are quite possible with how our infrastructure is failing. And so you have to just come back every year, stay in contact with the members, stay in contact with the administration, whoever those uh, people might be, and keep sharing that message until something breaks loose. Yes, you do. You, uh, you know, Some of it, I guess, is a little bit of the squeaky wheel, but you have to keep your message in front of them regardless of how frustrating it can become or, or you know, even when you don't get the results you want. But they need to understand our perspective as providers of services, but also as, as taxpayers and, and participants. We're, we're part of the writing public, too, that's sitting in traffic, dealing with crumbling roads, potholes, etc. So we, we come at it from a number of, of angles. Regardless of what does or doesn't happen in Washington, the deterioration is occurring every moment of every day. Oh, it's, it, absolutely. It's, it's getting much, much worse. And, and that's also one of our, our message lines. The stagnation and procrastination in, in doing something is hurting all of us. It just puts us back further every day. Is there anything specifically that you have been asking Congress to do while you're here in Washington? Yeah, we, we've asked them to, to step up and initiate something, told them we're fully supportive of a gas tax or any other reasonable initiative. So we have specifically asked to get something advanced in this Congress. You said you've been coming to Washington for many years. How long have you been doing this, uh, this ritual? Well, I've been in the industry over 30 years. Uh, I would say coming, coming here and, and being active on the Hill for the last 10 to 15 years. So you've been pushing this rock uphill for a long time. I mean, the last gas tax increase was 1992? Nine, uh, I think it's 1993 in that time frame. So it's, it's long overdue. Again, had we uh, indexed it way back then, we wouldn't be having this discussion at all. But, you know, we, we need a big boost right now. And from my perspective, it, it needs to be indexed with some inflationary adjustment moving forward so we don't have to continue having this battle uh, for my kids and grandkids. When you go back home to St. Louis and you share a report with the people that are around you about this trip, what is the report going to say? Well, very similar to what I said with you or to you that, um, you know, we're, everybody is understanding and I think universally people agree that we need an infrastructure package, but it's frustrating that nobody is stepping up right now and, and uh, taking the bull by the horn and, and trying to advance something. I always like to end on a positive note. What in that category strikes you about this visit this year? 
We also had conversations, of course, one of our themes uh, is resilient construction. A awful lot of uh, Mother Nature's been uh, unkind to us in a number of areas, and as uh, communities rebuild from natural disasters, we're promoting and encouraging Congress to look at, at resilient ways to do that. So you build things right back up with wood, for example, and another hurricane or storm comes through next year, could knock it right back down. We're discussing the benefits of concrete uh, as a resilient form of construction that needs to be considered, uh, especially in some of these areas that are traditionally hit more often with disasters. And the reception there, I assume, is good? Uh, that reception's been, been outstanding. So, yes, very favorable uh, from that standpoint. We also spoke with Ron Henley, vice chair of PCA's board and president of GCC of America. Here's that conversation. Washington, D.C., two days of meetings, walking around the House and Senate. How have those gone? They've gone very well uh, from my perspective. Uh, we've, as usual, got in to see a lot of people. There's unified messaging that we're putting out for the PCA and getting in front of people and making sure that uh, they know our position on infrastructure, resiliency, items like that. So, and it's been received very well. A full agenda in terms of messaging. What is the focus of these conversations? Any of those in particular, top of the list? Uh, top of the list uh, for the groups that I've been in has been around infrastructure and the funding of infrastructure. Uh, so we've seen presentations on that, of course, and the big question is everybody agrees on infrastructure, but how do we fund the infrastructure program that this country sorely needs? You've been to these kinds of events before, I assume. Uh, does this feel a little bit like Groundhog Day for you sometimes uh, when you come back each year and we're still having this same discussion? Uh, it can. I would tell you that this year I've seen a little difference. Uh, in the past, uh, we've seen you know total polarization around the funding. Everyone wants infrastructure. No one knows how to pay for it. Uh, the change I've seen this year is at least there's dialogue around gas tax, VMT, those kind of funding structures uh, that people are a little more open to. Uh, so I have seen a difference this year. Does that surprise you? I mean, were you surprised to start uh, feeling the coming together, if you will, of the two sides on these topics? I'd say I was pleasantly surprised that at least they're having the dialogue and just not saying no uh, at this point. What do you think it's going to take then to move it from that stage to the action stage? I think we need some leadership. We need leadership in the White House. We need leadership on the Hill, both. Someone's got to take the uh, torch and run with it to push this, uh, push this forward and get the funding that we need. And there seems to be some... Uh, reluctance on both parts at this point. Of course, the industry is here doing its part. There are more than 150 top executives from the cement and concrete industry around uh, the country. What else can people out in the real world do to help move this along in your view? Uh, I think out once we go back, and we're hearing this from people here, is talk to your representatives, go in your company, encourage your employees to send emails, call your senator, call your representative, even your local uh, representative, state representatives, about this issue. Uh, the more we have it in front of them, the more we're pushing our points, the better off we're all going to be. I'm sure a lot of those folks listening to this podcast interview have heard that advice before, but you're here, you've done this before. That works, right? It's not just something we say and hope happens. 
No, it, it does. It does work. I think it has an impact. Uh, all of the people that we meet with, you know, say, yeah, we're glad you came in. I think we have to keep our message out in front of people. We have to keep saying it. Eventually, we'll get there. Even when the meetings end, the work educating Congress doesn't stop. Lori Tiefenthaler is the Senior Director of Marketing at Lehigh Hansen. She offered her thoughts about how to keep the conversation going now that everyone has gone home. Yeah, I know that is a, that is a problem we have is, is keeping that consistency, that gas on. And we've had a lot of the, the offices say, we need you here, we need you up here doing this and supporting us so that our representative or our senator knows that there's people that are willing to get behind them in their districts and, and help support if we go for whatever it is, and you know, gas tax or whatever it might be. But we need to, they need to know that we're there supporting them on the ground level. You've got that experience in Iowa being an advocate at the ground level. What tips could you give people listening who want to keep this conversation going at home for doing just that? You know, Iowa's a great example of applying some good governance over time. They, they use life cycle uh, cost analysis in their decision making. They don't always pick what comes out uh, first or second, but they, they at least look at the way they spend their money. And so that's a great example. And, and we, over time, we've gotten to know their engineering teams a lot. And, and so um, they're a good state to, to look back to. The other thing about coming from Iowa and the industry that I'm in, it's where the National Concrete Research Center exists, is Iowa State University right now. It's really a hub for taking in, uh, getting in research money and then divvying it back out and having alliances with a lot of universities and a lot of DOTs across the nation. So we kind of look at it as the hub of where things come together, all things concrete pavement and, and the research arm. So we are talking here also about the airport bill. and. And the airport um, having the same kind of uh, research mechanism that the highway side has. And so that both concrete and asphalt have some research money that goes into how do we build better runways? How do we build better durable, resilient infrastructure, both in the commercial side and in the military side? If people who do what you do around the country can't make it to Washington, what can they do in their home state, in their home city to have the same impact that you're having here? in D.C. this week? You know, we really encourage people to invite, be transparent, invite people into their facilities, into their quarries, into their cement plants, into their ready-mix plants. Teach um, the staffers and the uh, representatives and senators about our business and about why it's important that we have good roads to carry our goods to the construction site or to the next state or wherever we're, we're moving our products, aggregates, cement, um, that we have to have good roads. and. You know, so not just for the general public, it's also for moving goods and moving the stuff we're manufacturing right here in, in their counties. There's a ready-mix plant in every county in the, in the nation, I'm almost sure of it. Those show-and-tells really do work. Oh, they do work. It really teaches people. I mean, we all like to go. I mean, I love to have a tour of the Frito-Lay plant or whatever it might be. It's awesome to get tours, so offer them. Go and talk to the staffers. Get on the phone, ask PCA staff, ask your uh, trade association staff to help you set up tours. They can reach out. They have the connections here in D.C. That's what we belong to these associations for. So somebody is here all the time and having that consistency and that consistent voice. So when we come in and out once a month or once every quarter, that they can keep that conversation going of the ideas that we talk about when members are in town. Finally, we wanted to share our interview with West Virginia Senator Shelley Moore Capito. PCA's 2019 cement and concrete champion. So let's talk about the status of infrastructure in Congress. What do you see happening this year, if anything? 
Well, we're working already now, uh, both uh, bipartisan in the Senate committee, certainly in EPW, and on the Commerce Committee, to uh, move forward with a robust reauthorization of the highway bill, which doesn't have to be reauthorized until September of 2020. Um, I would love to see us do that this year early because 2020 obviously is a political year, makes it much more difficult. But the good thing about roads and infrastructure, it's very much a bipartisan effort. Uh, everybody gets to take something home. It's a shiny object here and, uh, and so there's usually a lot more cooperation. I know it's hard to predict the future, but do you think it can get done before August or around that time? You know, I think that we are going to have a bill out here in the next maybe five to six weeks to react to because that's the starting point. And a lot of members have a lot of different ideas. Uh, I think we can get something um, by August, yes. Uh, whether we can get it all the way through, we certainly need the president uh, weighing in on his opinion as well. But I think, you know, he's been very positive towards infrastructure and tried to get an infrastructure package done but was unsuccessful last year. Well, and that's what I was going to ask you next. You know, there was reauthorization and there's an infrastructure right. package. What do you think the future for that might be, given the period we're about to enter of uh, elections right. and campaigning? I think an infrastructure, big, robust infrastructure package is, is problematic because we couldn't get it done in the first two years, which is probably the most... Um, bipartisan friendly kind of um, environment in terms of big pieces of legislation if you can get them done. Um, I think we're better off, I mean I think we'll run dual tracks on these but I think in the end we're only going to get one and I, and I think probably it's going to be the highway bill. It does seem though hearing even Senator Carper on the other side of right. your committee uh, saying that he wants to do this that at least in the Senate the bipartisanship still holds. Right, and we, we do have a lot of uh, common ground on the infrastructure. We had, uh, for instance, one of the areas that I'm interested in is broadband deployment as a part of infrastructure. Uh, certainly some of our urban areas have um, airport issues and, and um, congestion issues that we don't have in rural America so much. But uh, I just think that we couldn't get to figure out how to pay for it. I think there's going to be a stringent ask to be accountable to that. And as I said earlier, the public-private partnership uh, reliance, uh, I, I think we've, we all felt was uh, the concept's great and we want to do it, but it's not going to generate the kind of investment that, that we thought uh, the administration was looking for. Final question, what do you need from these 150 cement and concrete executives to help you get this done? Well, I think uh, always framing this in terms of uh, jobs and job creation, I think that's the beauty of infrastructure and why it is popular and bipartisan, because the jobs basically are in the communities. Uh, they employ thousands and thousands of people. So that's where I always uh, want to see my business uh, businesses start with how many people are impacted, how many people are employed, uh, you know, how much... Uh, does that mean you know you've got health care and other things associated with having a good job and 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 so that I think is the strength of this uh, besides other things such as research and other ways to be more efficient and and be less uh, environmentally you know be more environmentally protective and all those things but at the base of it I think the economic impact of this is by far the biggest uh, selling point. Next week, we'll check in with other members of the North American Concrete Alliance to find out how they see the policy work that lies ahead. That's Wednesday, April 24th on Hard Facts, a podcast production of the Portland Cement Association. I'm Robert Johnson. I'll see you then.